reframe what fear is, invite it, don't repel it, understand that it's trying to protect you, have something bigger than fear, and then formulate small steps that you can take rather than big leaps so that you get some small wins under your belt and you can carry that momentum forward. You should not try to eliminate fear. You should try and learn to understand fear. Fear is very, very helpful. It's ingrained into our minds and into our bodies for a reason. It's there to protect us. That's its first and fundamental purpose. And if you didn't have fear, you would do stupid things that would put your life in jeopardy. The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Welcome back to the Conquer Approach. I appreciate you for tuning in. Today, I have James Silvis. He's a mindset specialist, a peak performance coach, and entrepreneur who has worked with thousands of people across the world. He has dedicated his life to studying how the mind works so that he can teach others how to be their own top 1% in their lives. He's the creator and host of Be That 1% podcast, which is being heard in over 75 countries. Check him out on Instagram, visit jamesilvis.com and subscribe to Be That 1% podcast. It's great content, great value. I have everything linked in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, thank you, James, for joining me today on The Conqueror Approach. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Super grateful and honored to be here and can't wait to uh, talk shop and collaborate with you on this episode to add value to your, to your listeners. Absolutely, man. And you're your entire career and, and everything you do is very inspirational. And I'm, I was very excited for this collaboration because mindset is kind of at the core of everything, in my opinion, and yes. my, and my feelings. And it's the core of creating a, a happy and effective life, regardless of what it is, relationships, business, finance, uh, and, and obviously conquering self, which is, is what this podcast is about. Self-mastery is all about the mindset and the outlook we have. Uh, and before we dive into that, uh, I just want to get some background on your story for the people who may not uh, have heard of it or have followed you previously. Uh, yes. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how Be That 1% kind of was birthed? Yeah, man. So uh, 31 years old, Hispanic, Mexican origin. Uh, both both sides of my, my parents um, are that. And Born and raised in Vegas, one of those rare unicorns. Haven't left. Love the city. <laughs> uh, you know, my, I'm, I was fortunate enough to grow in an environment where my parents instilled some pretty great values in me and, and how to live a life, right? Like one is integrity. The other is hard work. One is empathy, um, listening. And, and I learned different things from my mom and, and different things from my dad. One of the main things I learned from my dad was this this competitive drive to be better, right? To 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 really embody growth and to love the process and and the leveling up, so to speak. And so I excelled in sports and you know showed up early, left late, and earned a leadership position. And as a quarterback on a football team, 
you know, you not only have to set the bar, but actually act what it is that you say. You have to be in alignment. Like your your thoughts and your words need to match, right? And so, um, you know, I developed some really good skills early on of listening and really being able to say the right thing at the right time with my teammates because I wanted to win and they wanted to win. So how can I get my team mentally to a place where they feel that they can win even when we're down or even when it's fourth quarter and there's 10 seconds left, like let's still make it happen. And, you know, I was, it was awesome to be able to go through that with my mom. I learned how to, how to be still, how to, you know, learn how to be open-minded and learn something from someone that, and to really believe that, like, even though you may meet someone that doesn't necessarily have the lifestyle you want, they still have value to teach you. And that value can be something that you don't do from that moment forward. They can show you what not to do just as much as someone else can show you what to do. So that was a big lesson that my mom taught me. And, um, you know, going into high school, I had cultivated those leadership skills to the point where I became the person that people came to when they had problems. They were just to open up and tell me their whole life story. And I would listen and I would empathize and I would give, you know, suggestions on what they could do. And they would go back home and, and work on those things and come back to me and say, James, oh man, what you said really helped. Like, I, I just thank you. You should do this for a living. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't even know what this is. This is me just helping you. And, you know, it just kind of kept building from there. I uh, got an offer to play at, well, many offers to play in college for football, but wasn't feeling it. So I decided to go to UNLV, study physical therapy, which was the closest thing to sports. And while I was there, I met a professor who showed me and taught me about neuroscience and psychology and how to think and emotions and the mind-body connection. And I was just mind blown every single class. And at that time, I was working at a physical therapy clinic for three years, making eight twenty-five an hour, seven hundred plus dollars a month, not much. And I realized I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of the nine to five. I'm, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm in prison. And I want to be able to serve in many diverse ways. I want to serve at a, at a big level. And so that was around the time where I was starting to think of, you know, just anything and everything that I could do, but nothing had come to mind until I took that class. And I was just starting to think, man, if people knew this information, if people knew how their mind worked, if people knew that they're being controlled by emotions that they don't even know about, man, what, how different could their life be? So I started sharing that knowledge that I learned in that class with my friends, with my family, and more shifts started to happen in their life, in my life. And this was also around the time where I got out of physical therapy and got into the industry in Las Vegas and worked at Wet Republic, the uh, day club. It's basically a nightclub in the day at a pool in 117 degree heat. People drunk out of their minds, doing things that no people should ever have to see. Um, and there was when I got my first break. You know, I started speaking motivationally to the staff after the GM found out that I wanted to do this for a living. He asked me if I was interested to speak to them every Friday for eight months, as long as the, the summer season was. And I thought he was joking at first. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I want to give you this opportunity. And so my first speech given to 80 plus employees at Wet Republic was all about, you know, how grateful we should feel having to work here because 4,000 people auditioned for 26 positions. And we're one of those 26. And that video or that speech got recorded 
and went viral in MGM. I became known as the jelly bean guy because I used jelly beans as a, as a, an actual prop in that speech. And I was there for two years and people told me you need to do this for a living. You need to do this for a living. And so I finally gave up, had the courage to put my two weeks in there and I went all in on me and went door knocking in Vegas business to business to business, got the cops calling me, security called on me, door slammed on my face. You're too young. You're, you shouldn't be doing this. What are you going to teach me? Basically every type of no you could imagine is what I got. And there was a period there where I was like, man, did I make the right choice? Like, should I be doing this? I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I need to make money and I'm not making money. Uh, you know, I'm trying to provide for my girlfriend at the time. And uh, which is now my wife. And she was so supportive and she would just encourage me to keep going. But deep down, I was like, man, like I'm not seeing any results. And one day I was in my lowest of lows contemplating whether I should just throw in the towel. And that's when be that 1% came to me. I was in an Instagram, I was on Instagram, writing an Instagram post and literally do, do what 99% of the people won't do. Be that 1% was being typed out by my fingers. And I read it again. I'm like, oh my gosh, I like that. Do what 99% of the people won't do. What would 99% of the people do in this position? They'd quit. They'd throw in the towel. They'd justify why it's not for them. They would make up some excuse as to why they should go back to the job that would make, they made really good money at. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to regret making that decision. I'm going to do what most people won't do. I'm going to be that 1% and actually follow through with what I said I would something that lights me up. I want that. So let me put in the work to do it. And so I got myself back up and continued the door knocking, found a client. They ended up paying me the same amount of money that I made at Wet Republic, working the same amount of days. I convinced them to give me a 30-day trial, got enough results for them to be like, okay, let's sign a year deal. And then that year deal turned into four years. And that was the beginning of my career. 7,000 people later, eight different countries later. Um, you know, here I am continuing to share what I've learned and, and really teaching people how to understand their minds. Wow. And I, I want to emphasize that you hit that low that I feel every entrepreneur on their journey gets to when it's, you're, you're still trying to get everything up and running. You're trying to get that momentum. Um, the good analogy I like is like the rocket ship uses however many <laughs> thousands of tons of fuel in the first seconds of liftoff and that that's what you saw yourself in but you had the clarity to keep going which i love that too man i love the pot i love the 99 percent. do what the one percent would do because mm -hmm. it's true 99 percent of people would have quit there mm -hmm. because that is not easy to deal with that much rejection and if anyone is in business <laughs> they know rejection is real but that is that's just fuel if you use it that way. And, and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about is the relationship with fear, because I'm, I feel like it wasn't, you weren't, you weren't that confident when you're getting rejected over and over at some point, but it was that fear that was the discouraging part of it. Yes. Because you were capable of doing it, obviously, because you're doing it now, like you, you had what it took. It was just the fear script was starting to discourage you when you're contemplating quitting and whatnot. Can, can you tell me about how you overcame that fear of rejection? So 
I want to be careful with my words here because although fear isn't real, it, it feels real. And if it feels real, we make it real. And a lot of people will say, I want to be fearless. And I think that that is naive. You should not try to eliminate fear. You should try and learn to understand fear. Fear is very, very helpful. It's ingrained into our minds and into our bodies for a reason. Like it's there to protect us. That's its first and fundamental purpose. And if you didn't have fear, you would do stupid things that would put your life in jeopardy. So first we have to have gratitude for fear, right? And that gratitude for fear then opens the door to explore it. But if you have fear and you don't want fear, so you try to avoid it or pretend it's not there, you're going to lose the battle with fear. In order to over, over, overcome is you know strong word, I guess in order to navigate fear, you have to embrace fear. You can't run, you can't hide, you have to walk through it. And through the walking through it, you learn what it is. And all fear is, is a saying of be careful. And if you don't understand that that's what fear means, then you think fear is this hand that grabs you around your throat and squeezes you, you know, or punches you in the face or prevents, shackles your, your ankles so you can't move. And yeah, if that's what you think fear is, that's what it's going to do. But fear is really just saying, hey, you're entering unknown territory. And I want you to be prepared for that unknown territory. So... I'm coming out to say, stop. Okay, that's so understand that that's what fear is. And then say, okay, well, why are you wanting me to stop? This is the second part of understanding the fear. Well, I don't want you to get hurt. I'm not going to get hurt. I don't want you to repeat some past pain. Okay, got it. I've already learned from that pain. So thank you. I don't want you to invest all this time and effort and money into this thing and it not work out okay, well, I'm willing to take that risk. You know, like you can ha start having that dialogue when you invite fear in. And when you have something that's bigger than fear, like your mission is bigger than the fear, then you'll find a way to get through that fear. But if there's nothing pulling you through it, fear is going to be much stronger and it's going to be really hard to negotiate and or to have a conversation with fear. And it's just going to bully you into not doing anything and staying safe and playing it in the comfort zone, which is where nothing rewarding ever happens. So I would say reframe what fear is. Invite it. Don't repel it. Understand that it's trying to protect you. Have something bigger than fear. And then formulate small steps that you can take rather than big leaps so that you get some small wins under your belt and you can carry that momentum forward. Beautifully said, man. And I, I love the, the conversation that you're having with it because I think that's what it really is. Cause I, I believe fear doesn't stop you from doing anything. Right. It's your relationship to it. Correct. Because like you said, it's, it's, it can be helpful. It can be an indication of you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You're growing, right? You're not decaying. You're not stagnant. And that relationship, that, that conversation with yourself, 
when fear is present. Yes. Helps you navigate through and actually take that small first step and start building momentum. And I love the, the way you put that together, but that, that also, that, that, that requires an awareness. It does. That you, you have to be conscious about, because I know for myself, a lot of the self-sabotaging limiting beliefs were highly subconscious. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, didn't think I was good enough to do what I'm doing. Right. And I, I feel like that, it, that's common with a lot of people, what I've seen. How do you, how do you start becoming aware of those self-sabotaging beliefs? Typically when we identify, um, a limiting belief, we start to see patterns, patterns of there's these opportunities that present themselves. You say yes to the opportunity and you fail or self-sabotage that opportunity. If you can look back at your life and start piecing together these patterns, what you'll find is that there is a catalyst that leads to the destruction of your success. That catalyst is the way that you think. And if, and if you blame your lack of success on any other thing but yourself, you've already lost. Because you're giving way too much power to something you can't control first, and then you're not taking ownership of your part that you're playing in your life. And that's the ownership and responsibility piece. So I'd say find the patterns. And if you're not if you're not getting what you're wanting and you're working hard at it and you haven't really made any progress, there's a block there. You should be able to make some sort of progress daily. And if you're not, then something is holding you back or you're not giving it your all, which stems from a block. Maybe you're not giving it your all because you're afraid of failure. And so it's easier to, for you to justify that you're you're doing something if you just tiptoe around. But if you tiptoe, you're never going to get anywhere. So you're giving yourself the illusion that you're doing something, but you're not doing enough to get any results. So you're creating this back and forth thing that is only wasting your time, wasting your energy, and depleting your vitality and your confidence. Notice that. So where am I not progressing? All right, well, why, is, why am I not progressing there? Is it my environment? Is it the people I'm around? What am I saying to myself in this specific area? Why do I keep attracting relationships that are toxic? Well, it's their fault. Last time I checked, there's two people in a relationship. And you're the common denominator. So you got to own that and you got to see that. And if you don't see that, then your life is literally going to be a repeat. You're going to be watching the same movie your whole entire life. You're going to be listening to the same song your whole entire life, hoping that you can listen to another song or may have a moment where you hear another beat. And you're like, ooh, what's that? But then you go right back to your song. That's boring. That's not living. That's barely existing. And so if you want a different life, you have to take control over like what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and you got to notice it. So you got to spend time reflecting and piecing things together and not operating off of, you know, not doing things automatically. You have to do things with intention. When you do them with intention, you're aware 
of what you're doing that is creating a result. And that can be duplicatable. That can be shareable. That's how you enter more leadership positions and share your wisdom with other people. You can't share what you don't know. You can't share what you don't feel and, and, and get. So you got to become aware of those things through, you know, all the things that I outlined for your sake, for the people that you're serving sake, for the person that ends up being with you in a relationship sake, like all that's on the line. And that's why it's important to do that work. If you don't, then you can't be mad when you don't get the things that you want. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. And, and I want people to notice that you're, you're asking questions to yourself. That's part of the reflection. Yes. And you just mentioned like a bunch of questions <laughs> that if someone sat there and asked themselves on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, they'll identify a lot of yes. what's blocking them from progressing in their life. Well, if, you, if you think about yeah. that for a second, if you think about communication, all communication is, is asking and answering questions. Everyone's asking questions. They, they just don't know that they're asking questions. A, a, a girl walks down the street and you might say, do I have a chance with her? You may not know that you're thinking that, but that's what you're thinking. Or what does she think of me? Or you may be standing in front of your business colleagues in a business meeting, you might say, don't mess up because are, are they going to think that I'm enough? Are they going to think that I'm qualified for this position? Do they, are they going to think that I am getting paid too much or too little? Or like, you're always asking questions. And so when you can sit down and really become aware of those types of questions that you're asking, one, you're going to realize why you're in the position that you're in. And if you're asking a lousy question, you're going to get a lousy answer. And when you see that written down on paper, or when you are able to articulate and say that out loud, yeah, I do say that to myself. Now you've opened the door to asking a new question. A question like, what am I grateful for? Shifts your focus. How can I make $100,000 or a million dollars a year and enjoy the process? Good question. That question will prompt a search for the answer. How come I never lose weight? Lousy question. How come I always attract toxic people into my life? Then you're going to find the reasons why that is. And so like, whatever you want, you got to formulate a question around it. And then you got to find the answer to that question. And that gives you the strategy that you need to do in order to get the thing that you're looking for. Do you, do you have a routine around how you uh, approach reflection if is it like some journaling what, what do you do to really sit and reflect yeah so a couple things um journaling is definitely up there it's not an everyday thing but when i know i'm on to a thought that when i think about it and i share it with other people and they feel something around i know that there's some truth there and so i'll document it on my google drive or i'll have a specific notebook called James's Truths, <laughs> and I write it down there. And then when I write it, I have another level of understanding and awareness around it because it's documented. If I just keep it in my mind, it's just going to get lost in all the other 60,000 thoughts that you have a day. So I'm not, I'm not naive to think I'll remember something important because too much happens throughout the day for you to do that. I mean, I'm willing to bet that any of your listeners 
at one point said, Oh, that's a really good idea. I'll remember that for later. And then five minutes goes by and you're like, what was that again? Like your mind's just too busy. So you gotta, you gotta document it. Right. So I have journaling for that. I have Google drives for that. I also will talk through things with my wife or I have friends that, you know, if I get on a thought and I'm like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like, uh, you know, why do people wait to act and feel that they need to have a purpose in order for them to feel qualified enough to do what they love? Like, let's just say that that's an example. Then I'll think about that for a little while, I'll sit in silence, maybe jot down some notes, ask myself questions mentally, and then I'll call someone, maybe my wife or maybe my friend. I'll be like, hey, I'm just thinking about this. What do you think? And then I'll ask them the question, see what they think. And as they're answering that question, I'm listening and piecing that together with what I got, and then I'll have a better understanding of it. And either it'll be something that I want to continue pursuing, or it won't. But at least I, I had an in, initial impulse of like, hmm, that's a good thought. Followed it up, felt it again, eh, not really feeling that, let it go. Really feeling that, keep going. Um, so that, that's part of my process. Um, I think it's just, yeah, from, from, un, from identifying to documenting to applying. That's like, those are the stages. Like, I, I don't want to just con conceptualize all day and give myself the illusion that I understand something because you don't understand something until you apply it. That's where the understanding comes from. That's where the wisdom is. And you can't buy wisdom. Wisdom is earned through action. And so when you learn something about yourself or you learn something new about something you didn't know and it elicits a, ooh, an exciting feeling, great, document it. Now that you document it, act on it. And now that you've act on it, share it more, refine it even more. And that's how you get better. That's how you develop mastery. Starts with small steps at a time. No, I love it, man. And I could just, I could feel the passion you have behind it. Can you describe how it feels now being where you're at after the, all the work that you put in? Because someone can look on the outside and see how successful you are, but, you know, forget or not even understand everything that went before it, right? The rejection, getting cops called on you, all those things. <laughs> right. How does it feel now looking back and just knowing that you didn't stay stuck at your nine to five? Well, first I feel gratitude um, and consistency compounds. The things that you do time after time after time, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, compounds you get better the skill deepens the awareness sharpens the knowledge uh becomes easier to transfer right like your communication skills just get more polished and refined and so how i felt then was novice not enough young immature uh well maybe not immature but inexperienced i guess i should say and now and so and, and back then i was more about proving right? I got to prove that I know enough. I got to prove that I'm qualified. So it was more about trying to get a certain number of, you know, deals done or hit a certain revenue number or get a certain amount of accolades or awards or letters behind my name. It was a lot about having to prove something where now I've shifted away from that. And it's more so trying to improve. Right. So going from proving to improving. And when that shift happens, you care more about the process than the outcome. 
you fall in love with the process. You fall in love with the work of being better. And you shift from what I do for a living being work to what I'm doing for a living being a mission. And that is a huge change because if you view what you do as work, it's going to feel like work. And what happens when things feel like work? You have to do them and you just don't want to. When it's a mission, there's no choice. Like you're just dedicated. You're, every moment you have is, is given to you so that you can further the mission. And you just, I don't, I don't really get tired doing what I do. I actually get energized. People are like, well, how do you do these two and a half day masterminds and then fly to other, other states and work with other teams every other day? Aren't you exhausted? I'm like, no, I'm actually excited. I mean, the only thing that sucks is I got to be away from my son and I got to be away from my wife. Like, yeah, that's hard. And there may be days where I need to recover, but I'm back at it. Like, this is what I want to do. This is me. This is not, this is not something that you have to call me and say, James, get up. Hey, you got work to do today. No, that I, I put that on myself because I view what I do as a mission, not as work. It's not a career. It's a purpose. It's a calling. It's a mission. And that elicits something totally different for me. Now that's, that's possible for everybody. I really, truly believe that. And, you know, it's sad to see, you know, with, with the events of like last year and still going on this year with COVID and everything and people getting in really deep depression and mental health issues because they didn't have the, the mindset of creating the life that they want or their, you know, work towards their calling and their purpose. Can you tell us a little bit how your mindset was navigating through, let's say, COVID in the last year and like the, the events? How has that affected you? And what were, the, what were the questions you were asking yourself to get you through that and helping others? Yeah. So last year, January and February were our best months. And, you know, we were excited for, you know, all the things that we wanted to do traveling wise with the business. And, Obviously, in March, when everything kind of hit, we were the questions we were asking were like, okay, so it looks like we can no longer serve our clients this way. How else can we serve? What else can we do? Um, we weren't too experienced in Zoom, but we had to learn how to be better at Zoom because we started doing more events virtual. We were also, my wife was pregnant. We were going to deliver in a pandemic <laughs> like i could barely get into the hospital like luckily they let me in the room but like you know we were thinking man what 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 are we bringing our son into like this world right like there was a lot of social injustice and there was a lot of you know covid obviously and people were losing their jobs and there were it was just a year of uncertainty and so amanda and i had to really hone into each other and be like how are we going to raise this child and do it intentionally? How can we proactively instill ourselves with enough confidence in each other to weather any storm, parental storm or business storm? And it was a commitment on both fronts to say like, you know, we, we have a certain way of living that we're not willing to give up. 
we have a certain way that we want to serve and we're going to double down on that. We have an idea of the type of parents that we want to be and we're going to execute on it. And, and just having open and regular conversations about those things. And there weren't necessarily specific questions that we asked. It was more so just revisiting the purpose, the, the why we're doing behind things, the, um, you know, what's needed, reading the environment and saying, okay, people are, are divided. We need to be the message of unity and we need to embody that. Not just talk about it, but embody that, you know, we're, we're needing leaders now more than ever. What does a leadership look like? And really br breaking that down and making content around that so that people have tactable and useful knowledge to implement right away, whether they're, it's in their relationships with their significant other or if it's at work or wherever. And so I think it was just a lot of, okay, this is the card that we're dealt. Let's play it to the best we can and, and let's move from there. It was, it was not a... Let's pause. It was a, a, let's adjust. Let's adapt. Let's be flexible. That's a huge lesson for, I feel, a lot of people. Because you adjusted, you adapted, and the year didn't break you. And if anything, you, you said it, you had one of the better months ever. And that was our, uh, it was our best year. Yeah, best year. But it was also our highest level of service. Like mm. having a son, a kid anyway, having a kid just brings your level of attention to detail higher. It brings more love. It bring, brings more empathy. It brings more compassion. It brings more insights. It brings more responsibility. It eliminates excuses. It calls you to a higher version of yourself. And so that mixed with who do I want to be in this pandemic? Those ideas, those concepts allowed me to continue to serve in different ways to the clients that I have and not so much get new clients, but take my existing clients deeper. And that created more results, more transformations, a bigger ripple effect. And as a result, that's why we had our best year, even in a pandemic. And so I'm fortunate enough and very, very grateful to say that because I know that that's not everyone's, you know, reality. And I do my best every day to understand the human psyche, to learn all that I can and then share it in the podcast, in episodes like this, in my one-on-ones, in my group trainings, in my masterminds, on the courses that I'm going to be creating. Like, I, I want to serve in that way. That's my way of serving. And and I do that day in and day out, and I, and I love it. And so it's, it's all service-based and impact-driven. And obviously, finance is second, but I'm, I'm driven by that, and, and that's how I think. I'm extremely grateful for you and your wife, man, because, uh, of course, last year, more than ever, people needed that type of leadership you know, from you and what you put out. Uh, people needed some level of certainty when there's no certainty in the world surrounding them. So I just want to commend you for that because that is extremely powerful and taking that momentum into this year and, and doing so many great things because I feel like there is a lack of people with that intention because you had the service, your focus mm -hmm. versus how much money I, I need to make or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, finances is going to be a concern 
uh, if you lose your job or whatever, or if you, your method of making money just stops, you can't travel or <laughs> whatever, mm-hmm. but your intention was so authentic that it led to that much growth. And I think that's, that's really beautiful for people to understand. It's, I believe it, that if you have your intention on the service piece and really providing value and helping people in a very serious, genuine way, the finances are just a result, right? Do you see it the same way? Yeah. So first, uh, I want to thank you because one of the things that we did last year was the uh, 78 mile run miles oh, yeah. in 24 hours. And, and you did support that. And then you helped raise awareness for the nonprofit that we were raising money for. So I want to appreciate you for that. Um, yeah, finances are interesting, right? Because it's like, oh, that's nice for you to say, but I'm, I'm living paycheck to paycheck or I had to forego my mortgages because I, I couldn't afford things, right? And, and that's a very challenging place to be. And it's hard to serve when you need to be served in those moments, right? Or at least that's the idea. And, you know, I, there have been moments in my life where money was low bills were high debt was high and you know i'm fortunate enough to have a support system but i know that that's not everyone's reality and so i'm not naive to that fact what i will say is that there's something to be said around the purity of service that opens the door for more money money is money follows value right and so it's fine to, to want money and to want a lot of it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to want a lot of it, then you have to understand that there's going to have to be a lot of value given. That's just economics. You have to give value. And so whether it's in your current job at a restaurant, at a law firm, at a, a gym, wherever, the more value you can offer the more opportunity you have to, to raise your capital, to raise your money. And I just really want to make sure that that's the piece that people get, you know, and, and although in troubling times and in uncertain moments, like it's hard to think like that, but if you could listen to episodes like this, that spark that thought again, or have people in your corner that remind you of the service, I think you'll have more success in maintaining your wealth and attracting more wealth because of the type of person that you are and the grace and the energy that comes from the servant attitude or the servant heart or the servant mindset. And, and with that, I feel one of the very important pieces to it, especially when times get difficult, because for anybody, they're going to have challenges, whether it's a pandemic or not, there's going to be obstacles having that support system and times like uh, difficult times, any difficult time you notice you have no one to lean on. And if there's no one there, that should be something that brings awareness to yourself that I need to create this support system. Yes. Cause some people don't have family or friends that are going to stick through the, the problems and the challenges. You know, some people have friends that, if they hear you got a problem, they're just like, oh, too bad. Like, don't, <laughs> don't so do talk I. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got problems too. 
like stop crying or whatever. Right. Like that's not the type, <laughs> that's not support that people need really, especially if you're dealing with a loss of a job and you feel like there's no clarity, you don't know what's next. Your vision's kind of blurred at this point. And then you have someone like James hop in and, and really have the empathy and compassion and, and, and really listen and, and understand that's the kind of support people need because even myself, there's moments where I feel discouraged. I don't feel like, you know, putting out, maybe I get rejected or maybe I'm not doing as well as I can be in certain areas. And it's just like those friends or those families that remind me that my mission is much bigger than my problem. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned before, that's the, the reminders are so necessary. And I think, that's kind of how I self-regulate myself to keep myself moving forward because it, it's right. challenging. And I, I, I dealt with a lot of burnout. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. I wanted to ask you about like that too. Like how, how can people self-regulate? Because I got burned out in the military. That's why I got out, but mm -hmm. I still see it, especially now. Yeah. Yeah. Self-regulation is, is huge. Um, you know, what's the first thing you do when you get in your car? You check the gas or you check your battery if you have a Tesla, right? Like how, how much do I have in the tank? That's really important to know because you have an idea of where you want to go and you need to know if you have enough to get there. I don't think people do that when they wake up. I think they begin behind the eight ball, stressed, um, reactive, and they do things that don't support them in the morning and they don't do things that support them in the evening. And those are the two most important times. One, because the brain is the most suggestible. It's the most malleable because of the brain wavelength that it's in. But two, it starts and ends the day. And those are the only two times that you can control. You can't control what happens during your day. You can't control what happens at your job. There's so much uncertainty. And so if you could have the awareness to say, you know what? If I can't control a majority of my life outside of my house, then what can I control in the time leading up to when I leave? And that is energy management. And there's, there's a great book called The Powerful Engagement that walks in detail all of this. But basically, there's four domains. There's the physical domain, the emotional domain, the mental domain, and the spiritual domain. And the physical domain is, is made up of your exercise, your nutrition, your water, your sleep, um, how you're treating your body. And this dictates how much energy you have throughout the day. Then you have the emotional piece. What have you been feeling over the course of the whole week, six months, a year? Has it been predominantly negative or mostly positive? That's important to know. Why? Why is it negative? Why is it positive? Because that's going to dictate the quality of your energy. You can have a lot of energy, but it could be bad energy. <laughs> and you can have a lot of energy and it be good energy. And that's, that's what you want. Then you have the mental domain. Time allocation, priorities, time management, um, focus, concentration, doing things that matter, not doing things to fill in time. Like the busy versus productive. A lot of people hide behind the busy label. But are you being productive or are you being busy? Like that's really important to know. And then the spiritual domain is really just understanding what your values are, what your vision is, where are you going? What's the direction? 
What's your definition of success? Why are you working so hard? For what? And how do you know if you get there? How do you know if you're on your way to it? And then your, your philosophy of life. Like, what is life about? Is it about caring? Is it about making money? Is it about winning? Is it about love? Is it about having a good time? Is it about fun? What's it about? It's your life. You get to choose that. What is it about? What type of story are you going to live? What type of character are you going to be? What type of category is your movie going to be in? Is it going to be a tragedy? Is it going to be a mystery? Is it going to be a romantic comedy? Is it going to be an adventure? Is it going to be a documentary? Like what? You get to choose. And when you get a good pulse on those four areas, then you'll have a really good measurement on your gauge on how much gas you have in the tank. And you'll say, man, I didn't sleep well last night. Okay, how can we make up some of that energy with your nutrition or with some exercise or with some meditation or revisiting your why to get like, you know, that extra surge of energy to do what you don't want to do? I think when you have clarity around those aspects, it's easier to self-regulate and remind yourself of what's important and not get carried away in things that don't matter. I love it, man. I love it. Thank you for that. This episode is just full of gold, <laughs> I feel, man. And I, I just, I'm, I'm grateful because I know someone listening to this has gained a, a tremendous amount of value of things that they really can reflect on and contemplate and start making those improvements in their daily life now instead of someday start yeah. making their life better, right? Start changing the production of your movie, you know, yes. and, and start surrounding yourself with new cast if you need to. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> some new characters. Yeah, maybe that guy's not filling the role necessary, man. Hollywood's brutal when it comes to that. That's so, true. That's true. So, um, man, before we wrap this up, I just want to give you opportunity to let people know the best place to reach you um, wherever you prefer. Yeah. Yeah. So basically Instagram, that's where I'm most active. Um, if you go visit my profile and you'll see the link tree and the link tree is like Facebook group where we have, you know, open discussions. You have the podcast, which you referenced earlier, and then you have the website, everything's there. So James underscore Silvis, which you already mentioned, you'll put in the show notes, but that's the mm -hmm. best way. Right on, man. I truly believe the best gift we can give people is our time and our authentic self. And you did that here today with me. So I appreciate you. And I'm very thankful for you coming on this show today, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you and keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you, sir. That is all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you found any value in this episode, someone you know will also. Please share, subscribe, leave a rating and review so we can reach more people, have a farther ripple and a larger impact. Stay grateful. I appreciate you. And remember, you are a conqueror.